0: Hi, and welcome to Whole Heart Transformation. I am Melissa Alguera, your personal identity life coach. Let's go to the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I wanted to talk today with the new year being here, and I'm just feeling inspired because the sun is out. We've had multiple days of rain here on the central coast of California. And we just aren't used to it. It's like, (laughs) you know, when you are in California and you hear the whole thing about us freaking out because of rain, in a sense, it's kind of true. I mean, we, most of the areas, we are droughted, you know? And so um, whenever we get rain, we don't know how to handle it. You know, I feel often like I have to go do something and get out, but you can't because the rain is causing the inability to be outside. And we don't have malls where we're at. So like literally there is nowhere to go when it's raining here. And, you know, as I was thinking about that, how, you know, rain is so nourishing and like it gives life, like water gives life. And it's it's like what we need. As people, in order to live and to survive, I was thinking about this from the perspective of how sometimes when we're not used to that, like that nutrition and that um, nourishment and the replenishing, you know, in um, our healing journey, how it can feel too much or it can feel wrong or off. And it's really hard because we need it, right? Like we need to heal. We need to get nourished. We need to be able to go into process and uh, explore on a deeper level. But the problem with that is that when we're not able to receive it, it can feel threatening or too much. And I was just thinking about it from the perspective of when we do have you know some of this is is based in the way that we have attachment and how we grew up and we don't really understand when nourishment is coming towards us or something that is nourishing how it feels threatening how that is actually something that we need. And when we've had avoidant attachment and how we grew up because it wasn't safe to get our needs met and we had to kind of go the opposite direction it can feel really uncomfortable when someone is leaning in for relationship or for connection or maybe we don't understand the bids for connection that people are making with us and i was thinking about this a little bit further not just because of the rain but because i've noticed a lot with my clients and and actually i'll even back it up even to more of a personal setting but you know when my husband and i first got into recovery from all of the stuff that he was doing and in and i just i really thought like he is the one who is so jacked up and it's true i mean he was like pretty jacked up but I realized over time, as I was doing my own healing work, that I was pretty jacked up. And I wasn't able to really receive the bids for connection, because they felt they felt really scary for me. Um, And I don't think I was always that way. I think it was after many years of being in a relationship with somebody who was avoidant attached. And how they perceived connection. When I would do bids for connection, he just couldn't receive them. And so I think that that caused me to become anxious, avoidant in a sense, even though I'd already had, you know, some secure attachment, I was able to bring needs into relationship. I, I wanted my needs to be met and I was able to recognize certain portions of my needs. But a lot of times, when i was in the thick of you know frustration or maybe i had expressed my needs and you know he wasn't able to meet me there a wall of anger would come up and i think some of this is personality too like how we are in our personality so i'm an enneagram eight i'm a challenger my justice button is super high and betrayal is my greatest fear which isn't it interesting, <laughs> you know, it's like the one thing that I did actually walk through is horrible betrayal. And yet, um, I, even with that being said, I still would bid for a connection. And I think that my secondary is a four, which is an individualist, which is that that's like the romantic side of a person. That's a person who has you know, is creative and romantic and, and all of that, which is so funny because it just doesn't really, you know, fit a ton with the Enneagram eight, but it's, I feel like it's really balanced me out as a person in general. And so with that being said, I would do these bids for connection. And I think that would be kind of out of this safe, you know, four place Enneagram four place, but then when I wouldn't get my needs met, then this wall of anger would come up. And I would say that a lot of that has to do with my Enneagram eight, but then also my childhood. Because in my childhood, I learned early on that um, to protest a lot. The fact that my needs weren't getting met or if I wasn't being seen or heard, you know, the way that I would attempt to get those needs met was by getting louder. And for the longest time I felt like it was such a An annoyance. It was like, oh my gosh, like I'm just getting louder and bigger and louder. And then one of my friends said to me one time, they were like, Melissa, seriously, like the fact that you are still bidding for connection is so incredible. The fact that you are still going in even after betrayal or going in and you you didn't give up like you didn't shut it down you didn't shut the bidding down for connection you you still fight for it and i really thought about that because you know i i find as a on a normal basis that it is easier to have a wall of anger it is easier to have a place of you know i i will to try to connect through this wall of anger um but what i started to notice is it didn't work you know using the anger to shield myself and bidding for connection was confusing to other people like they didn't they actually didn't get it and i'm like man like i'm crying like how do they not see that i'm bidding for connection and i and then i realized oh my gosh it's because I was too afraid of what their response would be. So I wouldn't even let any sort of nutrients come in. And when I think about like the process of the, the rain that we've had, it's been like so crazy, like so much rain. And it makes me a little crazy a little bit. (laughs) And if you live in California and you're experiencing this, you understand, but you probably live near a mall, So you have a place of escape, even though, you know, (laughs) we're getting all the rain but i'm just thinking like when you don't when when you don't have the ability to bid for a connection or when somebody's bidding for a connection with you and that is not the norm it feels really wrong it feels like like a threat almost like what do you mean like you want to bid for a connection with me what do you mean you like me what do you mean you know you want to touch me or or whatever like and I'm talking about in a healthy sense. I'm not talking about when somebody is trying to purposefully um, take advantage of you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when, when a healthy person or somebody who is committed to getting healthy is bidding for a connection and that feels really uncomfortable or alarming or scary. What do we do with that? You know, and <clears throat> I would say that if that's a place that you find yourself when somebody is bidding for a connection with you and it's in a healthy way, it's not, you know, out of the betrayal or, or even it, maybe, maybe you have experienced betrayal in your current relationship and you're working through that and you're, you're trying to grow and heal like me, you know, um, I would say, what is it? that is pushing you to resist that connection and i would say the majority of the time when we are resisting connection which i would say is our deepest longing connection is our deepest longing when we resist that it's because there's something that's unhealed in us that we have to resist that for because connection feels much scarier than disconnection. And so it's almost like we are denying the very essence of our being when we are in that place of pushing away somebody who is healthy to connect. And it would make sense if you've been through any sort of childhood trauma, you know, from a parent or from even an adult relationship or friends that you would push any sort of connection away because that connection and rejection is is too painful but to stay disconnected seems safe however i would say to you that it's not safe i would say to you it's more dangerous to be disconnected and have that you know place of safety because when you do get hit when you do get hit with betrayal or rejection, the pain is so deep and the pain is so deep because the wound itself has not even been healed at all. There's been no salve around it. There's been no nutrients. There's no been no bandaging. You know, it's something that has been left wide open and we perceive within ourselves, oh, if I do, such and such to protect myself that i will remain safe but the fact of the matter is my friend you are not safe like by remaining disconnected you are not safe you cannot um, keep yourself safe from the pain of rejection and abandonment just because you push away connection (laughs) what I've noticed is that people that do that, they are all the more in pain in pain versus somebody who took the risk of connection and was rejected. Like their experience is totally different. They have this open heartedness that remains. They're not in a space of constantly You know licking their wounds they they're able to heal those parts of themselves and have harm from rejection and then they know how to heal those parts of themselves and they go back and bid for connection again and i think this is the big difference here and this is the key to understanding healing is that you can try all you want to have all of these defenses and these blockers but The reality is, is that you're still going to find yourself wounded because you've already got a deep wound. It hasn't been healed. And because it hasn't been healed, all you're doing when you are staying in that disconnected space to protect yourself, all you're doing is allowing people in with a deeper, you know, spoon, like to like a bigger spoon to like dig deeper. Because you have no boundaries, really. When we have these defense mechanisms, it's crazy. There's no boundaries. It's just like uh it's just like a wall, and people are coming in on the sides and they're doing damage. And we attract it in a sense. Yeah, you know, I've seen it over and over. And even in myself, I was unpacking some stuff for myself this last week, <clears throat> and I was like, oh my gosh. There was some family stuff that was passed to me that I didn't even realize. And I kept trying to figure out like, where is this coming from? Why am I continuously having this particular experience? And here's what's such a trip. When I spoke this out loud, I was like, oh my gosh. When I found out where this particular repeat thing was coming from, when i spoke it out loud to somebody else and it was like my whole body had a response to it and there was some anger about it and some other people were mirroring with me like yeah like this is this is hard this is unjust like or unjust it's like this is something that you need to heal from absolutely like this was not your fault this was past to you here's what's a trip i had a conversation later that made me realize that i was on the right track because i had spoken with my mom and my mom had realized that they her and my dad both had experienced this trauma as well and i realized that the traumas that pass down they only pass down because they are not healed and dealt with you know in the person that received the trauma and if you pretend and ignore that they're not, the trauma wasn't there, that the pain wasn't there, then that's when the next generation receives that. And what's such a crazy thing is that, you know, we, we don't get to choose that for ourselves. Obviously, if we have a trauma and it happens to us and it's like out of left field and it's kind of new, it's not something you've experienced before. So we're not talking about repeat traumas. We're just talking about like a random trauma. If you don't deal with that, then then your next generation will, and it's just the path. It's it is scientifically proven and spiritually proven, and so when we're talking about the inability to receive, you know, nurture and nutrition and, and all that in in relation relational dynamics through connection, um, the inability to receive is usually passed down. It's something that you experienced in yourself already in your in your family dynamics in your family of origin. And then you just kind of carry that on into the next relationship you get into. And so without recognizing this, that you cannot receive nutrition, then you pass that on to the next generation and we have all kinds of weird, you know, thought processes about this. Like, I mean, it was, it was something that, you know, my own husband, we talked about, like he thought getting married would fix his addiction and it absolutely did not fix it. If anything, it made it worse because it's like, when you think that, you know, uh, Marriage without real connection, which requires vulnerability and honesty and faithfulness, um, is going to heal your problem, yet you're not able to do any of the three things I just mentioned, then the shame becomes bigger. And you cannot receive any relational nutrients whatsoever because you're hiding. And the relational nutrients is exactly what you need in order to heal which would require you to be honest about the person that you've been and the person that you currently are and getting in touch with the disgust of behaviors that you've done. It's really hard for us. It's really hard for us to get in touch with negative realities because that would require a level of character. And if it wasn't developed in our childhood, then we don't have the capacity to sit in those realities of the person we've been. So what am I saying in all this? I've said a lot of stuff. I think the point that I'm trying to make is that even if something is super good and nurturing and nutritious and rich and something that we need for survival like the rain here in California, If we don't have the capacity to receive that, it will do us no good because we have no capacity to receive that. So how do we gain capacity? Well, we gain capacity by facing and feeling the stuff we don't want to face and feel. We get capacity by taking risk in relationship and safe relationship. And i really need to like share what safe relationship is safe relationship is people who can hold space for us and have capacity for our pain and our anger and our trauma and all of that but if we don't have that capacity if other people don't have that capacity we can't do this with them and so with that being said it's really important that you find somebody that has capacity And the reason why you need somebody that has capacity is because who knows what's inside of there that you might share or need to share that has been hidden and locked away for so long. This is why I love to do what I do, because I have a massive amount of capacity. And it's so crazy, I would have never thought that all the pain that I experience would have led me to the capacity that I have. And then I would be grateful for it, but I so am because I can sit with my clients in some of the deepest, darkest hurt, pain, and trauma, and maybe even stuff that they've caused other people and literally sit there and hold it and not even be fazed by it, but look for the gold in each person and love them in the moment, even in in the disgust of their own choices and still be with them and notice and help and, build, help and build capacity in them as they are able to slowly receive from me. And this is the challenge. We don't have a lot of people like that in our lives that have capacity in this manner. We have a lot of people who judge that are not in touch with their own realities of their own behavior. So there's a lot of projection that goes on and the whole point is is that in order to be able to receive we have to build that capacity in ourselves first and how we do that is through relationship is through facing our own stuff is through getting in touch with the negative realities of our life of life of our childhood of our current current state of how we ourselves have behaved And have harmed others and have been harmed. That's how we build capacity. And by receiving connection, attunement, and validation for our experiences as well. It's a journey. You know, I've seen people that were deemed as emotionless, betraying. I have watched them transform before my eyes as my clients. And I know true, true transformation is possible. And I know that because I myself have witnessed it in my life and my marriage, but also I have seen several, and I mean several clients, go from completely emotionless, have no capacity for anybody else's pain or trauma To becoming fully in touch with their emotions and having a level of empathy that is mind-blowing that my friend is what being able to take in nutrients nutrition you know and connection is but it's a slow journey it takes time it's not going to be overnight and depending on how many years that you've been disconnected from your parts and they've been scattered and severed off, will determine how long it takes in your journey, in your process. And you know what? It's okay, because it's never too late. It's never too late to take a journey towards healing. Thanks for listening. If you have found today's podcast helpful, please like subscribe and share. If you are interested in coaching with me, go to www.identitylife.coach. And you can also find me on Instagram, identity.life.coach.